welcome to Security on the Bayou. I'm your host, Chris Adkins. A recap of today's security news and why it matters to you. All right, welcome back. Tuesday, January 28, 2020. Today we have a bit of a um, government flair to our, our podcast. Um, let's start right at the top here, the Space ISAC. So this is kind of neat and uh, <clears throat> different. There's a lot of um, a lot more space-related companies popping up out there, more and more satellites and such. Um, so they've started the Space ISAC. For those who don't know what ISAC is, it's Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Um, there's quite a few of these across many industries. Uh, pro- the biggest one is the FSISAC, the Financial Services. Um, essentially what it is, is a, um, it's an organization so that private companies, public companies, governmental agencies can share information across each, other, uh, each other's organization in an unclassified manner. Um, so they're generally beneficial. Um, there's usually a lot of good information, although there can be bad information in there, depending on the ISAC too. Some of the more mature ISACs, you don't have that problem. Um, with the you know the unreliable information, with the uh, the more mature ones, it's usually pretty solid information that you can use. A lot of a lot of companies will pull in IOCs from this and do you know correlation matching and, and threat hunting and that kind of stuff. So this is um, this is a, a pretty big step because you know the space industry is um, um, probably not niche, but you know it's quite a bit different. Most people don't you know necessarily associate cybersecurity when they talk about space. Um, but it is very much a real, uh, you know, real scenario here. There's so many public contractors out there that are uh, producing items for the federal government these days. You've got to keep them secure as well. So this is going to launch, uh, it looks like, in March is when they're planning on launching. There's already a few members, um, some of the larger government contractors, as you'd expect. Um, Booz Allen Hamilton, SES, Parsons Corp, Lockheed Martin, and MITRE. Um, and there's a Kratos uh, defense is also part of that too. So you'd expect to see this start to, um, you know, increase over time. Uh, if you're part of the space industry, I recommend you go look into this and figure it out uh, and join. It's relatively cheap um, if you're a, a you know, big enough company. Even if you're not, they have ways for smaller startups and such to be, become part of it too. Um, and they're also having a cyber symposium in Denver, uh, June 14th and 16th. It's this first event. Each one of these guys have an event every year. Usually pretty good stuff. You have to be a member to get in. All right, that's enough of that one. Let's move on. Next, we've got, uh, oh, 3D printed guns. So this one, <clears throat> this is not new to most people. 3D printed guns have been a, um, you know, they've been around for a while now. There's been all kinds of stuff. This is, made, this is interesting because there's a mix of uh, the Second Amendment and the First Amendment in this and the freedom of speech. So essentially there's a bunch of um, uh, attorney generals from 20 states and the District of Columbia that are, are suing uh, to try and get uh, the, the files that you would need to go and print these guns removed from websites. So uh, that's where the Second Amendment <clears throat> part comes in, um, you know, freedom of speech to you know, put this stuff online. So. Um, or the First Amendment, excuse me. And then you layer in the Second Amendment with gun rights. Uh, so this has the um, possibility to be explosive. Um, I, I, so I, you actually probably hear my 3D printer going in the background. And I've done some research on this, never plan on printing one. Um, and there's a lot of you know, legal things that go into that. But the, I think the thing that scares me the most is the unreliability of it and the safety of them. I just, I'm sure you could do it correctly. Um, I just don't know that the home hobbyists could do it in a way where they wouldn't kill themselves. So, um, 
it's interesting. I'll keep up on it, uh, keep track of it, just because of that mix of the First and Second Amendment, um, which you know also bleeds into the privacy part of this of what people are posting online and where. Um, so there's a, I'll post the link on the blog, but they've got a huge timeline here going all the way back to 2015. Um, so this has been going on for a while. Defense distributed. I mean, it goes way back. All right, next. Uh, oh, ransomware of the day. This one, I, this one's uh, interesting. So there was a Canadian military contractor uh, that was compromised by a ransomware attack. Um, but this is sort of on the heels of what we talked about yesterday, where we're starting to see these groups not actually, not only ask for money, but then the threat of releasing uh, information. So these guys went and released the information. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a bunch of like intellectual property. I mean, there's some, but uh, for a construction firm, you, you wonder, you know, how sensitive is that information? What's the classification of it? But the big part of this is that there was a bunch of employee information in there. So now you're starting into PII, HIPAA, um, that, you know, different regulations in Canada, obviously, but the, all the, the PII that is involved in that. Um, and this actually brings up a good point. If you haven't been following along with um, <clears throat> new cyber regulations that are coming out, the CMMC, um, and of course now I'm going to forget what it stands for, but essentially it's the federal government's regulation that they're going to require uh, contractors of the federal government, DOD, DHS, all that, to become certified um, <clears throat> at specific levels uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. So it's no more just to throw in, in a contract of do your best, right? You have to be certified and authorized um, to submit that contract in the form of the CMMC. So one more hoop for people to jump through, but in the end, it's probably a good thing. Um, <clears throat> it's not going to be, and it hasn't been released yet. It's supposed to come out at the end of this month. So in a few days here, but it's largely based on NIST. So if you've already implemented NIST in your organization as part of your cybersecurity strategy, you should be in, in pretty good shape. Um, you know, there's a process you're going to have to go through. It's not until the end of this year that you probably start to see the ramifications in the like third quarter, fourth quarter of this year that you start to see it. Um, and th there's not a ton of information out there. They just released board members. So it's just now starting to ramp up. So um, if you get in now, as far as, you know, figuring out what your firm or company needs to do, uh, you'll be in pretty good shape. You'll be ahead of the game for most folks. All right, next. Oh, the Zoom bug. We'll call it a, the bug. Um, this article is on dark reading, but this is, you know, most of these you can find pretty much anywhere. Um, this one is specific to dark reading. I enjoy dark reading. I read it all the time. Kelly Sheridan. Um, so essentially this new Zoom bug. So this is the second time Zoom has had an issue in the past, what is it, three or four months now? Um, and, you know, it, it comes up and it's big news because Zoom is used so frequently across um, business these days as a a cheaper alternative to your traditional video conferencing and it works pretty well um, for the most part just like any of them um, so what these guys were able to do um, from folks from checkpoint good on you um, and I wouldn't say this is overly technical or overly complicated it's sort of you know we've seen this sort of deal before essentially what they were able to determine is that that meeting ID is 9 10 or 11 digits um, and then they were able to take that uh, that meeting ID put it in the URL and they also determined that uh, once you, when you, uh, you know, hit that URL, it returns one of two requests, either it's an invalid or it's a valid meeting ID. So at that point, um, they're able to go through a, you know, a list of numbers and figure out which ones are valid. And then if you don't have uh, any sort of security set up on your Zoom, which is possible, I think it comes default actually, that there's no passcode 
and that um, the meeting automatically opens. So if you have a valid meeting ID, you can jump right in. So um, this apparently has been fixed. Um, I guess I, I haven't checked to see if my Zoom is updated this morning, but I will. Um, they're calling it uh, Zoom Roulette. So once again, it shows you that, um, you know, even the good tools, you know, that are out there, there's always issues. Secure coding practices, right? It's always tough building up technical debt. How do you, how do you fix that before you go live or even in process? It's a, as you guys know, it's a never ending battle. And of course, ransomware. It's, I'm, I'm not gonna stop talking about it until we do something about it. Uh, we've gotta get better at it. Um, all right, folks, uh, that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Um, adios. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also visit us on Twitter at SecOnTheBayou, on Instagram at SecOnTheBayou, and on Facebook, guess where? At SecOnTheBayou. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Security on the Bayou. Guess what else? You can find us on the internet at SecOnTheBayou.com.